Hello everyone, I'm Jamie Bricker, and I'd like to welcome everyone once again to our ongoing weekly podcast series, Affective Leadership, Positivity Promotes Productivity. In the new year, our ongoing focus on affective leadership has included weekly guests to share their successes with this method of leadership. Now, our guests have all been leaders of very successful small to medium-sized companies from all across North America. And their experiences have certainly enriched our conversations, but they've also helped confirm that positivity most definitely promotes productivity. And it is now my pleasure to introduce my podcast partner and co-host, Jack Barkley. Thanks, Jamie. It's great to be here with you today. And in keeping with our podcast title, Positivity Promotes Productivity, it's only fitting to emphasize that affective leaders are highly successful at growing and developing employees to better the corporation as a whole. Oh, that, and Jack, that's a very good point, and that has definitely been a key commonality among all of our guests thus far. I mean, clearly, it's important to stress that supported and appropriately challenged employees are obviously going to play a huge role in any successful company. After all, the more positive the culture, the more productive the company. Right, Jamie. And today's guest is another perfect example of a very successful company highly valuing its employees. A big welcome to Mike Otis, the president and CEO of Double O Incorporated in Byron Center, Michigan. And it is now my pleasure to introduce our special guest for this podcast, Mike Otis. Now, in 1997, Mike founded Double O Company that deals with commercial glazing, windows, and doors. He is also the president of several other organizations, including Double O Real Estate and Community Redevelopment Company, as well as One Enterprise. Now, One Enterprise really was of particular interest to me because it focuses on rehabilitating distressed properties and blighted neighborhoods and returning them to productive use. Like, what a wonderful project. And in this work, Mike has three main goals, revitalize neighborhoods, recycle community resources, and respect our residents. Now, Mike calls himself a collaborative leader, and boy, it's very, very clear that his real sense of collaboration extends far beyond the walls of his organization and all across his community. And in closing to this uh, welcome, Mike, I really love one of your quotes, and I think it's so appropriate at this time. Quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And it is very clear, Mike, you have gone very far, and you have gone very far with a very large team. So you truly have been together. So a big welcome, Mike. It's really our pleasure to have you join us today. Thank you. Great to be on your, on your podcast today. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. Mike, I, I want to just uh, jump in at this point. And uh, some of the things that struck me, uh, I, I was listening earlier today to uh, uh, an earlier podcast that you were on back, I think it was in October, um, uh, a shorter podcast, just talking about your work and your business and where, how you grew that and so on. And then looking at some of the articles and thank you that you, you sent us. These are some of the things that struck me. I'm so interested in it is how your family has come together and how you've involved your family. I think that's really interesting and, and so supportive and as Jamie's mentioned, really interested in the restorative piece, not just a building, but you talk about streets and, and, and one would lead to another and you'd, you'd make it a whole place look better. 
And then you're, the, the whole idea of supporting others and giving um, people who might not have had opportunity that chance to hone their skills or learn a trade uh, and uh, be contributing and be successful. So really, really interested in that piece. And, and I welcome you in. And as I say, I, with all of that background and introduction, is there, is there something about your story or uh, anything else that you would like to add to that about your company now and, and your professional background? You know, I think life has a tendency to throw us all for a loop now and again. And, and uh, that's true of us as individuals. All of us have a history. We all have a story, right? And um, for me, um, I, I went through some hard time years ago, uh, went through uh, selling a company that I had built up. I actually, prior to that, went through divorce, which sort of messed with my head. I was a single dad, four kids at home, concerned about the kids, not so concerned about the company anymore. So then I had the opportunity to sell that company. What I didn't realize is that the guy that bought it had no intention of paying me for it. And before it was all over, I ended up in bankruptcy. And so my life definitely needed to restore. Um, I met my wife uh, about that time, uh, sometime after the divorce, obviously. And, and, uh, and she, she and I, um, my second wife, she and I got married, um, restored our marriage, restored our family in many ways because she had four kids. She was a single mom. Um, and, and so here we were, two single parents, each four kids, blended together eight kids into one big crazy family. Now our company is known as Double O, our primary company, uh, and, and one of the others actually. And it, it is because my kids are Otis, her kids are O'Brien. And so you put those two together and we, we named the, the company after the family. We were just kind of joking, they called the Double O clan. And so um, that was a restoration of our family and in many ways our lives. And that became a bit of, of why we emphasize, I think, a lot of restoring people and restoring neighborhoods to the greatest extent that we can uh, as we work. I mean, life is more than about making money. And if it were only about making money, honestly, I'd be bored. I couldn't, I couldn't connect with it. Because money doesn't motivate me, really. But when life can be about restoring people and restoring even communities, then it's a beautiful thing. So we try to do that in both real estate as well as our construction companies and everything that we do. Well, Mike, what I, one thing I really liked was your notion of a virtuous circle at Double O, where you talk about helping others be successful, and then, of course, they help others, and on and on and on it goes. Like, really, what was kind of the, like the start of that? Also, obviously, now it's, it's so ingrained, it's self-perpetuating, but how did you kind of get that ball rolling? I, I guess just simply you recognize it when you take the first step and help something get restored. If we, we go into a neighborhood and we, we buy a house and we restore that house and then someone else buys the one next door and says, I can do that. And they restore that one. And we start buying others on the block. And before you know it, we've, we've created this, this thing that happens. And the same thing is true. We hire somebody and, and we hopefully then have a positive influence in their lives. And then they start having a positive influence in others' lives. I think it's just kind of the natural result of any of that positive energy that's poured into the world that creates more positive energy. And that happens in many different things that we do. Like in terms of your leadership style, obviously collaborative, positivity is obviously huge. Kind of take us through, like you would say, like if, if, if we were a fly on the wall for a, a week or month or six months in, in your, you know, in one of your businesses, what, 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 what's your leadership style? Well, it is very collaborative. In other words, I don't believe in dictating 
I believe in, in conversations. So my leadership team and I get together and we talk about uh, decisions we're considering and directions we're going and, and we discuss things together. And I don't dictate or mandate the direction we're going in any area. I'm very open to hearing them push back. If I think we ought to consider something and they say no, then I'm very open to that. Then we need to hear that. So um, that is part of it for sure. It's just open listening. Um, I think that's an important aspect of it. I think that leadership needs to be participatory. In other words, it shouldn't be about a leader. A leader shouldn't be, shouldn't be someone who's telling others what to do, but rather serving others and guiding them so that we can move together toward a goal. I think that's a real important aspect of it. When leaders focus their leadership on giving instruction instead of listening, then the net result is not positive. You're not touching people's hearts. At best, you're getting their back and their time at best, and probably not even that. And Mike, you you um, referred in one of your pieces, or in hearing you talk too, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, about it's so important you enjoy coming to work. That's the feeling that I, I got from you. And, and you, the important thing for you was that people that you worked with would want to come and work in that situation. And I think Jamie and I would really agree with that. If, if we can have people feeling that way, wow, that's more than half the battle. But I guess our is it sounds the servant type leadership works towards that, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm interested in, in hearing about that. Well, it's really true, Jack. We've said that the purpose of our company, now our primary company, Double O Incorporated, we're a commercial glass and glazing window and door company. And yet, our purpose is not to sell more glass. It's not to sell more windows. The purpose of our company is to create a company where people love to work. We live in a culture where 80% of, of even according to that Gallup study that came out a year ago, 80% of every employee is disengaged and really doesn't even like their job. Imagine that. And I just think that's horrible that we as, as people in this Western society, we, we get up in the morning, we spend the majority of our time at work, only so that we can leave at the end of the day and go back home. And we sort of hate the majority of the day, but we just enjoy going home. Like that's just not the way life ought to be lived. And so if we can create an environment that offers a different opportunity than that, that actually creates an opportunity where people get up in the morning and they go, man, I'm really excited that I get to go to work today. If we can create that kind of an environment, we create a very different culture and literally create a very different world for any of those people that touch that environment. So that's the thing we really strive for. Uh, our purpose is not to make money. I often say with profit, now, now I like to describe profit this way, profit to a company is like breathing to a person. I don't exist so that I can breathe. That's not the reason I live. But on the other hand, if I stop breathing, I'm going to die. Well, if, if our company stops making money, it's going to die, but it is not the reason. And so the why behind what we do is so critical, and, and that drives us in so many different ways. We have to end with a profit, sure. But the why isn't the profit. The why is enhancing the lives of individuals and communities. Now, Mike, in terms of this environment, and I realize I'm not trying to minimize it in any way or simplify it because I realize it's multi-layered and it, you know it's taken a lot of time and effort and skill to get there. But just in a nutshell, what would be kind of your two or three key foundational pieces when you talk about this really positive, supportive environment? If you peel back the layers, what, what, what's the essence of that environment? Like say, if I, was, if I was one of your employees. Well, we have six values that we live by and uh, I, I don't have them in front of me and I, every time I feel like I need to like recite them, I know I'm gonna miss something. But one of the most important is 
choose positive. What it really is, the value that we state is attitude. And then the, the phrase that follows it is choose positive. So that's one of, one of the important things that drives our environment is, is we encourage one another every day, every moment to choose to have a positive attitude. Not to say that we're always going to be positive. In fact, when we first created that value, that list of values, I remember it said attitude, always positive. And then we kind of went, like a year later, my wife actually noticed, she goes, yeah, but it isn't always positive, right? So, so we changed to choose positive because recognize that we get to choose what our attitude is. So attitude, choose positive, integrity in all things, quality, bringing our very best. These are things that are our values, and our organization is driven by those values. We literally uh, hire, fire, reward, recognize people according to those values. And those values matter a great deal to us. So that's how we drive our company. When we sit down to talk with one of our team members to say, how's it going for you? We have what we call quarterly conversations. Uh, and we sit down to talk about how is, how is it going for you? What we're talking about are those six values. Are they living those values? Are we living those values for them in the way that we lead and guide their career? And, and those things really matter to us. We use that as an integral part of our, of our company, and that impacts our environment. I think that's really where your question is going. And like, you know, when, when you talk about those values, I would imagine, and I'm, I'm going to shift here a little bit to the backdrop of what we've been working through the last year, uh, that that must really help in supporting um, the people with whom you work and, and so on. But I guess what Jamie and I are interested too in is what, what are some of the changes in your leadership in the day-to-day -day that COVID has necessitated now? And do you envision any of these changes becoming permanent in, in your company? Yeah, I wonder. Uh, uh, we ask those questions now. I can tell you what some of the changes are. Obviously, right now, I mean, we're in Michigan. So um, our governor has been pretty strict with the regulations. And right now, I'm sitting in my home office. I'm not, I'm not downtown at the main office. Uh, and the majority of our office staff are sitting in their home offices or in their homes, on their dining table, whatever. So that's a very significant change. One of our six values is team. Well, it really is interesting to ask, how do we, how do we create a team? How do we encourage team, develop team, and keep team strong when we're spread across West Michigan? It's, it's challenging. And so we do spend time on Zoom calls together. Um, we use Microsoft Teams as a tool, and so we spend time using that tool together. We can pop on and, and access one another easily that way. Um, my wife has done a really beautiful thing. She's, her, her title is Culture. Um, she kind of tends to sit in the HR seat, but uh, her title is actually Culture. And so um, what she's done is every single day she sends out an email to everybody and asks a question. And then every single day, then she responds with the answers to yesterday's questions and another question. And that's been a really fun thing because we've, we've sort of that's great. those answers. They're really kind of entertaining. And uh, one of the things that I did early on when COVID first hit, and I haven't maintained really, but I did quite a number of YouTube videos. I was doing one every day, not to the public, but to my, my team. And then I would... I suppose it's publicly available if somebody looked for it, but the purpose of them, my, my conversation is to my people, to my team. So uh, I would send an email then with a link saying, hey, everybody, please check this out. Just a way to tell everybody what we were thinking. I mean, in the early days, there was a lot of fear, a lot of concern, what's going on with our world. Uh, we were dealing with, sure, COVID, but also riots and things like that at that time. Yeah. And so it was addressing that. 
Um, will those things continue? Uh, one of the things that we do as a company is we gather every person in our company together for a 30 minute huddle. So we huddle together for 30 minutes and we used to do that in a room in our building called simply the huddle room. And we could get, we've got a little under 50 employees, about 45 or so. We could get everybody in that room, a little crowded, but we could do it. Well, of course, now we can't get together in any room where we're crowded. We can't be that close to one another. We can't put that many people in a room. And so we've had to really rethink that. So our huddles today are on Zoom. Now we might have, there's a few people that have to work in the building using fabrication equipment and stuff. So they'll go into the huddle room, distance six feet from one another and all of that. Um, and, uh, and so they'll be there and they'll be on a big screen uh, and on that screen will be all the other people. And so we'll do a Zoom call and have, you know, 40 something people on the Zoom call and we'll huddle together and talk about where we're at and where we're headed and things we're working on together as a company. I wonder if once this is all done and the dust settles, if we might continue to do a lot more on Zoom, like even our huddle, than we did in the past. Um, possibly. It's a little hard to know. There definitely is a people component, though, that is missing, and, and we feel it, uh, a team component. And so I know that our people really want to get back into the office, back into the building where they can just stick their head in somebody's door and ask a question um, and be, feel a little more connected than they currently feel. It's, it's frustrating and awkward, and we just do the best we can to try to maintain that sense of team when we're spread apart. Well, I think those are great examples of making people feel connected. I love the email and then the answer, the next, the answers the next day and so on. It just makes, it's that checking in component that I think everybody needs, you know, and sounds wonderful. Yeah, she's had a great time at that and done an excellent job. It's been a lot of fun. Well, it sounds like a classic win-win. And just to kind of continue that vein for a, for a second, Mike, uh, the connection part, I mean, you and your organization have clearly done very well with all the people working remotely. Now, as a leader, have you had any, like, how have you found in terms of monitoring output of people who are no longer physically on site? How is that? Have you had any concerns there or has it just been an, an extension of your regular culture that there's like, there's a lot of, obviously a lot of mutual trust. So there's, that's not an issue. Like, how has that gone? I would say for us, that last statement is pretty true. There is a lot of mutual trust. Uh, I am not a micromanager. I will not be. I refuse. And therefore, I don't think I've really built a team of people that are micromanagers. I think that the organization does have an awful lot of trust. And one of the things about what we do for a living is we're out working on commercial construction sites. And so out of our 45 people, 30 of them anyway, are scattered around the job sites anyway and always have been. Uh, so that aspect, uh, you know, there's still some reporting back and forth. There's uh, our, all of our, our skilled labor, you know, they have time cards they have to submit and fill out every day how many hours they work when and where. And, and, and then there's some reporting from them to the project managers. But is there any way to confirm that people are actually working eight hours in an eight-hour day? No, not really. But, you know, if they aren't doing their job, we're going to become aware of that. Uh, we've got a great team of people. We trust them. We believe in them. And I just I don't think it's a, it's a big concern of ours. Well, I, I would just imagine that the the pandemic and the remote employees, it's kind of a both sides of trust or mutual trust in the sense that it, it requires it for the organization to function well throughout the pandemic. But as a result of that, month by month by month, it must strengthen it also. Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, my executive assistant is a good example. I was thinking of her because she has two young kids, in fact, one baby and then one six or seven year old. And she 
she is, her kids are home. They're not in school. And it's hard for her to work at home. She has a home office that works great, but the kids are there. And her husband is also working from home. So sometimes he can help with the kids and sometimes she can help with the kids, but they're both trying to work. Well, they're also both trying to take care of the kids. I know that that means that she's not, she's not starting at 8 a.m. She, in fact, she, she often doesn't start until noon. But I also know that I trust her without a doubt. And she reports the hours that she works and those are the hours she gets paid for. It's not like she's going to cheat us, you know? So, and that's kind of the story with several of our, of our team. Yeah, we just have to trust that everybody's doing the best they can. One of our project managers struggles with that same thing because he's got two kids about that age at home. And yeah, it can be kind of crazy for him. And Mike, you know, when you talk about that, Jamie and I have often talked too about uh, work-life blend right now and how that is a challenge. And, and you know, we talk, we've talked about balance and blend as opposed to balance. But um, we, we think of this has been challenging personally and professionally for employees and for leaders we're both really interested in, and, and you've touched on it a bit, the connection, the feeling of, of checking in with them uh, to make people know that you're there. But, you know, how do you address the wide range of issues around employee health and wellness? And, and that's the first part. The second part, and I'll come to, is, is how do you as a leader make sure you're, you're doing well and that you're okay to take care of your people? You know, it's funny. I don't stop and think about myself but i do think about my leaders i worry about them right. and how burned out they're getting i hope i hope they're doing well i just rearranged some things in in my area of responsibility and so i scheduled a weekly zoom call with every one of my key leaders where we will have an hour just one-on-one -on -one together call it a same page meeting we'll just make sure we're on the same page with the directions we're heading and and that they're doing well i you know you mentioned work-life blend I, People talk about work-life balance, and, and I think often that, is, that, that conversation has been, we want to make sure that we have work over here in this category, and work doesn't invade home, it's over in this category. I actually use a whole different conversation, probably much more like yours, work-life integration. I don't even pretend to separate them in categories anymore. They're just all mushed together, and, uh, and that's okay. My, but, you know, part of that is the life of an entrepreneur. So my wife and I sit down to dinner, and you can imagine, Way too much of the time, our conversations at dinner are around work topics because we work together and several of our kids work with us. And, and so it ends up being a part of that conversation, part of our life. And I don't know how to do it any other way. I, I just don't know how to categorize it and chunk it up anymore. It's just life. I just call it life, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but, but you're right. Caring for our team is important. Now, health concerns, of course, we've been all over the COVID situation. Um, a couple of our people have gotten COVID. A couple of us have been exposed to COVID. We've had to do the 14-day quarantine thing and, and take care of all of those things. We've taken that very seriously. We uh, early on began to pay somebody to go around and, and just uh, sanitize all the door handles and flat surfaces and all that stuff throughout our building. And it's a pretty good-sized building. So that's a lot of work. So those things are all big because we care about the health and safety of our people. Uh, we really take that seriously. But how do we deal with their emotional health when they're disconnected from us and they're dealing with the stress of trying to take care of their family and their home. I think maybe the best thing we've done that, that we can do, um, I hope others are, are doing is recognize that this is a moment in time. This isn't forever. Yeah. And maybe, maybe our people won't be quite as efficient as they normally are. And maybe we need to make allowance for that. I hope that, I hope that as employers, we're not creating a lot of stress where not only are our, 
our team members sitting home trying to juggle so many different things now. But in addition, they're carrying some load of stress or guilt because they're not focused on this or that like maybe they think they should be. I think it falls to us to extend some grace in moments like this. Um, we can't, I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, we have to be profitable, but we also have to be human. And uh, we have to allow people to do what they've got to do. I think that some of our team, you know, well, I know some of our team might well work into the evening pretty late or catch up some other stuff later after everybody else goes to bed or the kids go to bed. Or I myself, it wouldn't be unusual for you to see an email from me at one or two in the morning. Uh, this is my nature. Been my night owl. But um, sure. I don't know. I just hope that we're flexible about those things. Yeah, I like the way you put that, that this is a, a moment in time. And uh, we've, Jamie and I have talked, we, we, we certainly feel better that we're, we're maybe coming around and, and getting through this to the other side. I hope we're getting to the other side. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I think, the, I think the vaccine talk is certainly a light, at least at the end of this long, long dark tunnel. But Mike, like in, in terms of your overall leadership challenges, and I'm sure there have been a litany the past nine months in particular, but like what would you say have been your like biggest challenges say in 2020 with the pandemic and now of course things are changing into 2021 with vaccine talk and hopefully as the year goes on some return to quote normalcy well what kind of challenges do you kind of or opportunities i guess you could also say what do you envision there like i guess kind of in a nutshell how would you compare say your 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 company january of 20 before all of this started versus say January of 2022, when hopefully everyone's well vaccinated and we're back to quote normal? Well, I can only speak, I guess, in a, kind of from the perspective of my industry, um, construction, real estate, buildings. In early 2020, we expected 2020 to be the best year of our history. And, and we really thought it was just gonna explode. It didn't, obviously, because everything was shut down. and. One of our greatest challenges is the fact that, well, we were told we can't work for two or three months, whatever it was. When we were allowed to come back to work, I remember it was May 7th, so we come back to work, we reach out to all of our people at a time when the federal government is still feeding really fat unemployment checks to our people, and some of our people make more money laid off than they make working. And, and yet, in spite of that, every single one of them said, yep, I'm gonna be there, and everyone came back and went right back to work and they were excited and anxious to do that and so we all got back to work and we jumped back in and then we had a, an unfortunate thing hit us and that's that all all of or at least most of the job sites that we were scheduled on I mean we have a schedule we're supposed to do certain things at certain weeks or months and those general contractors expected us to still hit the same completion date irregardless of what happened so they wouldn't oh, let us work for months, and then they demanded that we still hit the same date, which is not yet possible. And then they were upset with us for not being on schedule. We just did the very best we could do. We got on top of it. Fortunately, that's been behind us. But that was one of our greatest challenges, uh, is dealing with customers who were upset at us as though we somehow caused the coronavirus. But now that's behind us. Um, our schedule has evened out. But now what's going to happen, our next challenge coming into 2021 early, and even we're, we're feeling it right now is the fact that during that COVID time, so with during the shutdown time, with commercial construction, there's a long lag in between when we receive a contract and we're able to begin to work on it. 
because we're not the guys out moving the dirt, digging the, digging the foundations, that sort of thing. So for that reason, um, we went through about a three or four month period without a single new contract signed up. Like our, our new sales during that time were zero. And, and we always had plenty of work to do because that work had been signed up earlier. Right. And, and so we, we didn't ever run out of things to do, but what we're going to experience in the first quarter is a bit of a slowdown of actual projects to work on. We're probably going to have a little bit of a gap. And so we're going to deal with that challenge. Low revenue kind of hit us around November, December, and then it's going to hit us again, January, February, March, something like that. Now I think after that, we're going to see the industry really explode because there's this pent up desire, like developers that want to build buildings. Well, they still want to build buildings. And now, so there was a time they were like, oh, no, if the world's coming to an end, we, we better hold off. So there were a lot of projects we observed where they backed off from them. They held off a bit. They didn't, they didn't pull the trigger on the contracts. Well, now they're going to start pulling the trigger fast, and there's going to be a lot of them. And so I think what's going to happen is it's going to be more work than we're going to be able to handle, or even our, our West Michigan you know, construction community is going to be able to handle. And that's going to be a bit of a challenge, uh, making sure that we're selling the right amount of work and taking care of the right amount of customers and so on. Uh, but I think that what's in front of us is going to be really explosive and exciting as far as revenue opportunities and opportunity to grow the team. And, you know, one of the things in, in small giants that we really take seriously is that we focus on being a great company to work for more than we do on being a bigger company, right. which is kind of interesting because our company was actually on the 5,000 list three years in a row. And 5,000 is all about percentage of growth. That's all. And the small giants community is saying, no, no, it's not about how fast we can grow. It's about how the quality of the company we can build. Uh, and so we sort of have the roots of both of those things in us, but we have no intention of growing 50%. One year in our history, we grew 161% in a single year. That's hard. Don't want to do that again. We have no intention of doing that, but we do intend to grow. In fact, one of our values is growth. And the reason our value is growth is because we know that people who come to work for us they can't continue to grow in their career unless we grow enough to provide more opportunities for people to be promoted, to move up the ranks and so on. Otherwise, their only way to grow is to go to work for someone else. We don't want that to happen. And so we do anticipate 2021, 2022 being growth years, years where we can grow in revenue as well as grow the team and bring more people in to get engaged. Um, so we expect a lot of good things right around the corner. As you're describing your expectations for 2021, it immediately, Mike, makes me think of another one of your uh, quotes, which I just loved, which was, quote, I work to enable people to prosper. And throughout our discussion today, uh, it is just so vividly clear that you're someone who really does walk their talk. And you're, you're a do-as-I-do leader, no question. Thank you. I, I certainly strive for that. You know, Mike, at, at this point, I, I just uh, – echo Jamie a little bit and I, I want to just give some takeaways uh, from our conversation today but just the making people better uh, making the area better Grand Rapids is lucky to have you uh, there and so on and, and that enjoyment that you get out of that of seeing something improve and seeing people improve and then that the family connection that you're you you, you know we, we just touched on blend a bit but you really there is a blend there of, of family and, and what you do so uh, it, it's it really is amazing and, and the theme of servant leadership as well is is um, your living uh, proof of that so on behalf of Jamie and I we want to thank you today for your time we know it's valuable but it helps us learn and uh, 
uh, sometimes confirms a little bit what we're thinking too, you know, in, in around leadership as, as well. So thank you, Mike. Great. Well, thanks for the opportunity to chat for a little bit. Thank you very much, Mike. It was a real pleasure. Absolutely. Be well. <laughs> I always say, hey, stay positive and test negative. Thanks again to Mike Otis for joining us today and for sharing your insights. Mike, your care for your team and the desire to be a great company to work for, as well as wanting to grow the team, is most evident. Your hard work is a clear example of effective leadership in action. And as you well know, Jack, one of the keys to affective leadership is truly valuing your employees. And like with that in mind, it really resonated with me when Mike said, quote, we have to be profitable, but we have to be human too. And I mean, that, you know, uh, financial and emotional balance, I, I really thought really kind of nailed affective leadership in my mind. And, and to follow that up, when he mentioned that, quote, our stated purpose at Double O is to grow a company where people love to work, well, it's pretty clear after chatting with Mike that Double O has definitely achieved this goal and also that Mike is definitely an affective leader. That's so true, Jamie. And, you know, thanks again to Mike for joining us today. We've had three very interesting guests over the past three weeks. And they have all proven the ultimate and ongoing success of effective leadership on both the company culture and that financial bottom line. Next week, we're going to look forward to wrapping up January by reviewing the key points of each of our, that each one of our guests made, as well as looking for key commonalities for their successes in very different industries. You're so right, Jack. And I mean, even though our guests were all in very different locations, and in very different businesses, affective leadership and financial success were clearly two key commonalities. Well, thanks everyone for joining us today. And just another reminder that we will be continuing our series of discussions with very impactful affective leaders from all across North America throughout 2021. We just like to remind everyone that our podcast is posted on a weekly basis and there will also continue to be a weekly blog on LinkedIn. And please continue to look for our overall series, Affective Leadership Positivity Promotes Productivity in both of these formats. Please feel free to connect with Jamie and me on LinkedIn. We welcome our listeners feedback and also any suggestions for future aspects of affective leadership that you'd like explored. We can always be reached at affectiveleadership at gmail.com. And Jack and I look forward to connecting with you again next week on Affective Leadership, Positivity Promotes Productivity.